Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 116 of The Yacking Show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we find ourselves in. As always, we have interesting guests. Today is no exception. I've heard him before, and you're in for a good time with this one. But first, I'd like to request, if you like our show, please consider subscribing to the channel you're either watching or listening on. More subscribers gets more exposure for our guests, and it's all about exposure for our guests. Plus, the bonus is you won't miss the next exciting episode of our show. Enough from me. Let me introduce my co-host, Kathleen Beauvais, down in Waterloo. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. Um, thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments, so please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today, and we're so excited about this. Um, please welcome James Mulvaney to our show. James, welcome. Thanks very much for the warm welcome. And the first thing I wanted to say was congratulations, 114 episodes. That yep. is impressive. Yeah, well, Thank you. Yes, uh, we're having so much fun. We are yeah. we're just having so much fun. But James, today is all about you. You are the head cheerleader and founder of matchmaker.fm. And no, it is not a dating site. And we, Peter and I absolutely love this website, but we're going to let James tell you all about it. So James, can you give our audience, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to start matchmaker.fm? What, what is it all about? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, I, I've been, like a, my, my, my story is when I was, when I was very young, when I was 16, 17, I wanted to go into radio. So I've always had this fascination with audio. Um, I've built a few different businesses in the radio broadcasting space over the years, and um you know, fast forward to about 15 years, I, I'm now in my early 30s, I've got uh, three different companies. So I have radio.co, podcast.co and matchmaker.fm and matchmaker is the sort of the newest of, of the bunch. Um, we launched just over a year ago. So like February 2020, just before the pandemic hit in, uh, which was which was kind of good timing in a weird way. And, and the idea of matchmaker is um, it's a platform to connect podcasters and guests. So initially, we kind of tongue in cheek, build it as like Tinder, but for podcasters, uh, because, uh, you know, as you'll know, um, with you guys, you know, finding guests, uh, certainly finding 114 guests can sometimes prove to be a bit of a challenge uh, and making sure that you've, you know, you've constant consistently got you know, good quality and interesting people who you can invite on your show and, and talk to and, and put the world to rights and, you know, learn from and all that great stuff that's podcast that makes podcasting so unique and special. Um, and we decided, um, we had, we had another business podcast.co. So we were already involved in the space and we were kind of looking at different ways, different ways that we could market our, our podcast hosting platform. And mm. one of the things that was really apparent was so many podcasts that were based on, on the interviews. So initially matchmaker kind of was, we fell upon the idea really by accident. We were looking at ways to market the, the product. We kind of set up these landing pages, one which said, you know, hey, if you're looking for great guests, can you fill out this form and tell us more about yourself? And one that said, if you're, um, if you're a guest, if you're an expert, you want to get featured on podcasts, please fill out this form and tell us about yourself. And we noticed that more and more people were coming to these, these pages and filling out like quite detailed sort of profiles, of, uh, you know, about what their expertise was or what sort of guests they were looking for. But we didn't actually have any way of, of connecting the two groups of people together. So we thought, well, 
maybe we're onto something here. This could be an interesting product for us as a, as a company. So we then sort of um, put it on hold probably for about six months. And uh, just before, I suppose, just before Christmas 2019, we thought, okay, let's try and build this thing. Um, let's create something and see how it goes down. Met launched in, uh, as I mentioned, January, uh, February 2020. And, uh, and, and it's grown tremendously over the past year. We're just about to hit 28,000 users. So it's really exciting. Very good. <clears throat> Very good. So, and as Kathleen said, we will give you testament to that. We find it really good for finding guests to be on our show and for guests finding us as well. And uh, we get people contacting us. And mm. I've been on a couple of shows through your, your service. So that's great. Even before the, the pandemic, started there, there was a tremendous rise in the popularity of podcasting mm. and of course the the coronavirus thing has given it extra momentum so what do you attribute the right that rise in popularity to james it's an interesting question because obviously podcasting is not actually that new as a medium it's been around for like 15 or so years mm -hmm. so i think probably about five years ago so for 2016 2017 there was kind of like a, a big uplift in the popularity I think it's become more of a mainstream media. So before, mm -hmm. you know, if you go back 10 years, you had to, to listen to a podcast, you had to go onto the iTunes program, download the episode, to your computer, plug your iPhone in or your iPod as it was back then, transfer that file. And that whole process was kind of quite techy, you know, quite mm -hmm. convoluted and probably reserved for like the enthusiasts. Whereas, you know, nowadays people have got, everyone's got a smartphone in their pocket. Um, most people have got good data plans so they can stream high quality video and audio content. They're not worried about running out of data or whatever. Um, and also the thing, advent of things like smart speakers. So, you know, Alexa, Google home, all that kind of stuff means that suddenly we've got this, this ecosystem that means that podcasts are not only accessible from anywhere, but easily accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably been the main reason that, that podcasting has been so popular. And also I think, uh, more recently, the last couple of years, certainly here in the UK, and you know, I'm sure in Canada as well, there's been a lot of celebrities getting involved with the, the medium. It seems that whenever you switch on a TV show, they like a you know a panel discussion or um, you know a talk show, they're all pitching. Like I've written a book this year, and also I've got a podcast that I've just launched. And I think you know because celebrities have jumped on the podcasting um, medium uh, as a way of, of you know communicating with their fan bases, their audiences. That's also meant that the adoption of other podcasts that perhaps aren't as famous or not mm -hmm. sort of celebrityified ha has also risen because, you know, you've suddenly got access to, to more of an audience than, than as podcasters than perhaps we did five years ago. Yeah. Would you, I'm going to jump in, sorry, Kathleen, while I think of it, James has yeah. just triggered something in my little brain here. Um, do you think a, a, a rising number of people are getting disenchanted with mainstream media? particularly news broadcasts. Yeah. In my personal observation, I gave up satellite TV, I don't know, eight years ago. And right. um, I get most of my news from various alternate sites. And a lot of it is people like who, who are doing podcasts. Yeah, I think there's, there is that too. You know, I think it's the people's medium. You know, it's, mm -hmm. the good thing about podcasting versus radio is there's no regulation, which, you know, I guess right. you can see as a positive and a negative, depending on obviously should be should always be used for good but you know with radio there's lots of things that you can't say um certainly when it comes down to politics and things like that you know um, most countries will have re heavy heavy regulated um you know things of what, what you can't kind of can't say over the airwaves whereas on the internet you know obviously freedom of speech you can basically talk about anything so i do think 
people people trust podcasts you know it's a very well known fact that when people are listening to podcasts they're tuning in for a lot of the episodes so about 75 percent of people who listen to podcasts will actually listen for the entire episode um so you have their attention for a long time and i think that kind of that bond between the listener and the podcaster Mm -hmm. is is very intimate you know it's just one-on-one almost it just feels like you're almost there with having the conversation with that person Whereas, yeah, I think people are more and more increasingly not trusting mainstream media because, you know, certainly I think in recent years, you know, even here here in the UK, we've got the BBC that's supposed to be very impartial and this, that and the other. And there's been lots and lots of people who have commented, say, you know, we're not sure it is anymore and this, that and the other. So, I mean, that's a discussion for the no- another day, right? But yeah, sure. I think, uh, yeah, I think podcasting is, is a great way of, of, of sourcing information um, and, and sort of hearing real stories. Mm. Yeah, good. Tell our audience about booking 30 podcasts in 30 days using Matchmaker. Yeah, so this was this was last summer. So it was kind of May, June time. And I we just, you know, as I say, we hadn't been live for that long. So we were probably three, four months in. Um, I wanted to, for one, like get involved with the platform myself. You know, I wanted to sort of walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So I was like, I've just got to get on as many podcasts as I can. And I thought it would be an interesting, you know, an interesting piece for, for our story um, to see, to document how I did that, you know, uh, and sort of just show that anyone could do it. So the, the plan was really simple, 30 podcasts, 30 days. I excluded weekends. So it was actually more like over six week periods. So I could have Saturday and Sunday off. So I was just counting Monday to Friday. Um, and it was pretty intense. There were some days where I was recording four, four episodes a day. I ended up doing, I think, four, 46 or 48 podcasts in, in that period of time, wow. which was, it was great fun. I loved it. It was a lot of work. Um, it was quite an intensive thing. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everyone. I think <laughs> because I'm in lockdown and I'm working it out of my home office here, uh, it probably gave me the opportunity to, to do that. I think if I, if I was, you know, normally we're office-based, I'm running three different companies now, three different sort of sites, uh, you know, so, so I've got a t- quite a big team behind, uh, behind me, which is great, but it means that I quite often, you know, have lots of meetings or have people coming up to me, but because I was in lockdown, it meant that I could quite easily jump in and out of, of podcasts. And I think that's probably been the same for a lot of people over the sort of past year. Yeah, well done. I, I watched your workshop when you announced that you were going to do that. Yeah. And you also had some really valuable advice for guests who wanted to be on other people's podcasts and for show hosts like us who wanted to get good guests on their podcasts. You sort of, uh, so anyone who uh, wants to know more, get onto James's site, and which we'll tell you about just now. And I think you'll find that somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about your other two activities, though, podcast.co and radio.co. Tell our audience a little bit more about those two. Okay, so podcast.co um, is, a, is a platform to host your podcasts uh which launched in 2018 or 19 get confused yeah i think it's 2018 um and you know we've made the process as simple as possible um there's lots of value-added features so you can automatically turn your audio into text so you can transcribe your episodes um you can create video clips to promote your the best bits of your episodes automatically um you can also create private podcasts. We've seen this, these are becoming increasingly popular, particularly in like for larger companies in the corporate space. Mm-hmm. So they might be using it as a, a way to communicate with you know, their staff because people don't read newsletters as much anymore. So podcasting is a great way to engage um, your sort of stakeholders. 
And, and then over at radio.co, very different business, sounds similar, but we, we power radio stations. It's a live streaming platform. We have about 5,000 uh, radio stations all around the world who are, who are running on our, our cloud-based software. Wow. Okay. Okay. That is interesting. Yeah. And we launched radio.co about six years ago now. So it's, okay. that's, uh, yeah. Impressive. Oh my goodness. There are a lot of people out there that um, are doing podcasts these days, but are not able to monetize it. Mm. What, would you have some advice for those people? I think sometimes, yeah. I mean, there's various different routes to monetization. And I guess, again, it depends on your, it depends on why you're doing your podcast in the first place. You know, like there's a lot of businesses out there who you will use podcasts as a way of, of networking, you know, of meet, meeting potential clients. So although you might not necessarily be running adverts on your podcast, there's other ways that you could be generating revenue or, or, or getting customers. Um, they're, interestingly, Spotify and Apple have just both announced like within the past week uh, the concept of, of having like user-supported podcasts. So basically this is where you know, the, the listener will pay effectively a subscription to have access to perhaps ad-free a podcast or, or they'll get the episodes before everyone else or they'll get access to content that other people you know the, the free free feed doesn't have so there are lots of different ways where you can monetize which don't just involve running adverts or getting a sponsor but the thing i would say is um you don't have to necessarily have uh, you know millions of listeners to get sponsorship and to make revenue from your podcast i think it's really important that you if you're if you're looking to, to monetize a podcast it's really, it's really crucial that you have a good idea of, you know, who your audience is. Like if the suit, the more specific you can be about not understanding who's listening, the, the more ability you'll have to go out and pitch your show to potential um, sponsors, you know, because if you can prove that, you know, even though if you've got a smaller audience, that they're a super specific match for the sponsor, they'll be very, very keen to get on board. And I think, companies are becoming more experimental and uh, you know, they're becoming more interested in the audio space and using audio as a, as a form of advertising alongside their sort of traditional ad spend on whether that be on, you know, online advertising or TV or radio, et cetera. Um, but it's, it's also proven that people are very engaged. So when people listen to a commercial sort of advert or, or sponsorship sort of announcement on a podcast, uh, they tend to take action more so than, than on other mediums, which I think is quite interesting. Mm, it is interesting. Interesting. <clears throat> I'm going to switch topics a little bit because <clears throat> this interests me. And I know that you have spoke on one of your workshops about property and investing in property. Yeah, sure. Uh, so you, you obviously believe property is a good investment. So tell our audience a little more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I haven't got a huge portfolio. I have like, um, I'm about to buy my fifth property, actually, including the one that I, I live in. Um, and it's something that I probably got into. Well, I first of all bought my own property to, to live in. And um, it's really interesting. I live in the middle of Manchester city centre. So I bought my first ever property about six years, coming up to seven years ago now, just over six years. Um, and, you know, it was, I invested in an area that at the time was a little bit up and coming. So it's in the middle of Manchester, but it, it, it's, uh, it's been really developed over the past few years. Um, and, you know, I, I had the property revalued and I've practically doubled my money in six mm -hmm. years. Um, not quite, but nearly doubled my money. So I think investing in property is a, a safe bet. It's always a good, uh, if you're an entrepreneur and, you know, you've, you've got some, you've got some money that's sat in the bank and it's not doing much, um, 
you need to try and make it work somehow. And I, I certainly think, you know, interest rates at the moment are, are rubbish. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. get, you don't get anything with money sat in the bank. So you need to try and put it to work for you. Um, so I think property is always a safe investment. You know, there's never really property will always be people will always need places to live. Um, you know, the, the, the one drawback I'd say is sometimes managing tenants can be a little bit problematic. Uh, I've been lucky. I've not had too many bad experiences, but I have had a few headaches, I'd say. Yeah. And, and I think, again, you've got to take a long view on property. I mean, we all know that yep. last few years have been really good. And here in Canada, we've seen residential property doubling in value in five yep. years. But, you know, it'd be stupid to think that that would continue forever. But it yep. might have some ups and downs. But over the long term, it generally is a good investment. Yeah, again, I think it's for me, it's about creating assets that are sort of self-sustaining. So it's like yep. they will pay for themselves over a very, very long period of time. Um, but, you know, it's a great alternative to... Uh, you know, pension, it's it's good. It's better to have, have money sort of sat in property versus having it sat in, in the bank, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, when you have a couple of successful businesses, it's good to have money in something more stable then as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm I mean, not saying your businesses are unstable, don't get me wrong, but we've seen many successful entrepreneurs expand, 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 and then bang, <laughs> you know, they lose the lot. <clears throat> Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, Kathleen, back to you. So getting back to podcasting, do you believe that podcasts should be both on audio and video platforms? Yes, I think so. I think there are lots of podcasters that still shy away from using video. Mm-hmm. Um, the main benefits for me is that some people like watching, you know, you can, you can kind of read people's facial reactions. And I, I've done mm-hmm. a lot of interviews where, you know, you can see the host or, or um, I, when I've been interviewing people, you can see them on video, but then you actually just turn it into an audio thing. But I kind of think, well, you know, if, if like we're doing now, we could see each other anyway, you might as well capture that. Sure. Um, yeah. The other, the other really good thing about um, using video for your podcast is you can turn it into other assets so you can easily post it on social media. Um, so platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, they're all very much geared towards video as it, as it stands. Interestingly, they're all sort of slowly realizing that they need to be like looking at audio as, as a way of, of, of communicating or allowing people to communicate too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think, you know, video kind of people are scrolling through the feed. If they capture, if, if, if they hit on a video that looks interesting and you've, you've done it right, it can be a great marketing tool for, for your podcast. Yeah, certainly our, our experience in the year and a bit that we've been going is that yeah. on average, our videos get, I don't know, Kathleen, 20 times the views, the listens or views that our audio does. I think yeah. the the best performing audio one may be around 50% of, of downloads compared to Very the video version. And that would be the best, but most it's about 10%. Yeah. And, and, and we I push think- them both. Yeah, the YouTube YouTube in itself is just a huge search engine. People sure. are always looking to find out information. So as long as you you're t- capturing your videos right, and, and if you're uploading the full episode, you know, talking about what what is contained within that episode, um, people will sit there and, and listen. And quite often, just they will have that on in the background. But mm-hmm. um, I still think you know YouTube is is uh, if you're creating a podcast, there's no harm in creating a video and uploading it to YouTube. It doesn't really cost much time or or energy really to do that. I think. No, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. And there's there's software out there that makes it easy to strip the audio out of the video once you've um, added the bells and whistles onto it. It's it's, it's not a big problem. Yeah. So I I got a, I got one. I got to ask you. We asked this of of most of our successful business people who come on the show, <laughs> and you're successful by any measure. So in your in your experience, James, if you were to take 
if I was to ask you what's the biggest single characteristic that differentiates successful people from the average, what, what would you, you say on that? Oh, that's a good question. And do you know what? I don't think there's a, the, the answer's not always black and white. I think for me, like, I, I think my success was due to the fact that kind of I started at a very early age. I was very, very inquisitive. I wanted, I had like a, a very, very much like a needs to learn different skills and try and master different crafts when I was young. And I think that was kind of what prompted me to start my businesses in the first place. And, um, you've got to, you've, you've got to be creative, I think as well. I think creativity is, is hugely important as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, but again, it, it depends. There are someone like, for example, I'm not, I'm not like a boffin when it comes to numbers, for example, I'm not like one of these people who sit there with spreadsheets, you know, like doing profit and loss. And, you know, I have accountants who do that for me, but there are some entrepreneurs who are successful because they're so vigilant with their numbers. You know what I mean? And that, and, and they're great at doing that. So, so I think that there's not sort of like a single characteristic. It just varies on the individual. But for me, I think it's always been kind of like creativity and, and just kind of like the, the love of creating things, you know, mm -hmm. okay. products and stuff, creating solutions. I, I guess people skills are important. I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I heard you say that you're running three, you're managing three businesses virtually there's got to be some good teamwork and good leadership to keep all that going, surely. Yeah, I mean, we, I've got about 33, 34 um, team, team members now. So uh, some are working on uh, different products and some working across both. But mostly we try and put, put everyone into different departments because, uh, you know, each product needs its own sort of a care and attention. And um, mm -hmm. you, you've got to make sure that you don't take your eye off the ball on one or the other. Um, but yeah, I think... It's been interesting because, as I say, we're normally office-based. So this year, we have not been recruiting as much as we normally would in Manchester. So we have started taking people on remotely, um, whereas we traditionally would always look for people to be you know, in the office. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I was very much just like, you know, being there nine to five myself was really important. Um, I don't think we're ever going to go back to that way of working again, where, you know, we have the full team are in five days a week, Monday to Friday, nine to five. And, you know, we have flexi time of things back then but i think we're going to be a lot more flexible in terms of you know if people want to work from home they can um you know i still try to encourage people to come and use the office as a base because i do think yeah that's one thing i've missed is that face-to-face -face collaboration mm -hmm. that kind of human interaction over the past year but yeah i think in some respects the we've coped pretty well as a company we were pre uh, we adapted very very fast i think just because a lot of our processes and systems and the things that we do are all kind of online anyway. It very much mm -hmm. meant that when, when lockdown happened and we actually went working remote probably like about two weeks before official, you know, lockdown officially came into play uh, here in the UK. But, you know, we did, we did a sort of trial run day, like a day where we said, right, everyone go home, work from home, just to see if there was any problems. Right. Um, but it was, was really smooth. And, you know, I think um, because we've kind of, we're a modern company, we, we have a lot of uh, modern practices and processes in place it's, it was wasn't a scary thing for us whereas i've got friends who work for other businesses and it's been a lot more there's been a lot more turmoil because they just haven't they weren't ready they weren't prepared for it and you mm -hmm. know suddenly they're, they're they're forced to kind of send everyone home and they kind of like they, they struggle to kind of communicate or they struggle to like in some cases the staff didn't have, even have any have the equipment to go and work from home and all this kind of stuff so yeah it's it's been an interesting year but i think we've kind of we've taken a few sort of gold nuggets from it i think good good yes. kathleen we've got a couple of minutes can i jump in with another very Absolutely. quick one go ahead yeah 
look into your crystal ball, James. Where, where, where's podcasting going? Two years uh, yeah. down the track, what are we going to be looking at? Everyone asked me this. Um, I don't. I you know I, I I wish I knew the answer because uh, I'm sure I you know that would make me very rich indeed. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting to see how Spotify and Apple are really battling out now. Like mm. Apple literally announced on I think it was like Monday that they were implementing this monetization system where, you know, subscribers can pay for access, as I mentioned earlier. Spotify just announced that today. So within literally days of each other, there's yeah. two announcements from these two giant companies. They're obviously trying to corner that market. You know, these two businesses are trying to sort of absorb the market, which I think is a great shame. I think if, if podcasting becomes you know, controlled by one player, then it sort of loses its magic, magic sort of yeah. the, 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 the thing I'm sort of was talking about earlier. It's like the people's media, you know, you won't get that suddenly it's going to be like, well, you can say this and you can't say this. And we don't want you to say this because it's going to offend this advertiser or whatever. Right. So, you know, but, but again, these are two huge companies. Apple's obviously the biggest company in the world or one of them. Spotify isn't, but it's still pretty large in terms of organizations. It's got a huge user base. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if one of them wins or, or if it kind of just stays a sort of an even playing field, which I hope it does. But do you, do you I'm going to push this one a little more. Do you think that companies yeah. like your Podco and Podbean that we use and a few others, you think they will collectively take a larger share of the market away from Spotify and Apple? Well, they're aggregators. So Spotify yeah. and Apple, are, you know, apart, uh, Spotify, I do own a company called Anchor, which is very similar to Anchor, Podbean yeah. or podcast.co. Yeah. Um, and they bought Anchor because they were trying to, you know, onboard as many podcasts as they could. The problem with Anchor is it's because it's free. Uh, like 90% of the podcasts on there are just totally junk in terms mm -hmm. of like there might be, I think when podcast, uh, sorry, uh, Spotify acquired Anchor, there was like 80,000 podcasts on Anchor, wow. something like that. But out of those 80,000, there might have only been, you know, five or 10,000 that had got more than like one or two episodes. So there's just mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that's like, someone has an idea to start a podcast. Um, they, they upload one episode or they do like less than 10 episodes and then they give up. Yeah. So does that really count as, as, as a good podcast? Of course it doesn't. Um, so, you know, it, I'm not sure. I, I, I wish I could kind of tell, tell you what's happening. I think what's also interesting is obviously uh, if you've heard of the app Clubhouse, that's kind of come yeah. up. Yeah. It's sort of not really podcasting, but it's an audio-based platform. And uh, suddenly as a reaction to that, you know, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, all uh, working on similar, you know, integrations, implementations to uh, Clubhouse. So they're kind of trying to recreate the Clubhouse experience on their own platforms which again is, um, is interesting. And I think I, I sort of see it as an extension of podcasting and it, it, there's opportunities there for you to just grow your audience even more. Sure. Um, but you know, you'll still need the, the, the way the podcasting system is designed is, you know, you need a, you need a host to, to stick it on and that will obviously then get syndicated out to various different platforms, which is mm -hmm. where companies like, you know, a pod being who you work with or, or podcast.co come in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Thanks James. Yeah. Kathleen, back to you. So, James, how do people contact you? So, if you want to get in touch, uh, my all of my social links are on jamesm.com. Um, if you go to jamesm.com slash connect, all of my social media links are on there. And okay. you can go and check us out on matchmaker.fm, podcast.co, radio.co. Of course, lots of uh, great information and advice um, on all those sites uh, if you're interested in any of those kind of mediums. 
Excellent, James. Thank you so much for uh, being our guest today, James. We learned a lot. Thank you. And, and to all our viewers out there, we love Matchmaker. We have a profile on, on that platform and have received so many wonderful guests through Excellent. the Matchmaker platform. So thank you very much, James. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thanks, James. And thank you all for tuning in. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>